From the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network Studios in Des Moines, I'm Mark Magnuson, and welcome to Iowa Ag Matters. In today's show, Dustin wraps up his discussion with Monty Shaw, Executive Director of the Iowa Renewable Fuels Association. I will visit with Dan Halstrom, President and CEO of the U.S. Meat Export Federation, and Riley is joined by Jim Canute of FCS America to discuss the Cashback Dividends Program. It's time now to welcome our hosts, Dustin Huffman and Andy Peterson. Thanks, Mark. And here we go. Your authentic and official, as well as trusted voice of Iowa agriculture, welcoming Dustin back. Thanks for having us in today. And uh, boy, maybe you should be gone more often, Dustin. Key reversals in corn, soybeans, and wheat. Now, with that said, we are a little lower in the marketplace today, but at the uh, Iowa Soybean Association Farm Forward event, fantastic crowd, fantastic presentation yesterday. When I mentioned that soybeans were up 26 cents, you should have heard the buzz in the room. Yeah, I bet there was, you know, and, uh, you know, unfortunately you go in there a day, it's down 26 cents a year buzz too, but I wish I could say it was my fault. You know, we could always, I could take the rest of the week off and we could see what grains do. I mean, if that's the, <laughs> if that's the key factor, I'm willing to sacrifice myself and take some vacation time, but yeah, well, it was, a, huh? <laughs> yeah, right. But uh, I was out and about as well uh, yesterday. I was out towards the Iowa city area, got a little bit of rain uh, over there as we got closer to Lynn County. Uh, you guys uh, are hoarding all the water again, apparently the way it looks, but, uh, uh, you know, it was, it's nice and it's, it's hard to believe it's January when we're out and about. I mean, the, there's mud where we, we talked about the six inch soil temperatures and all that as well. So it's, it's definitely, uh, not feeling like a normal January. In fact, I saw motorcycles out quite a bit yesterday when I was in my travels, but anyway, speaking of the markets and everything that's been going on and the fact that they might be a little bit lower here to start the day. We're going to start things off. Jim McCormick, agmarket.net. He's talking with Mark Magnuson about what's going on in that grain complex and why we're seeing such up and down momentum here lately. Joined today by Jim McCormick of agmarket.net for our Wednesday discussion. Jim, what are we seeing taking place in the grains? Well, good morning. We're seeing a little bit of weakness here in the overnight market. Nothing dramatic, but definitely seeing a little bit of maybe a light profit taken after yesterday's very strong technical day, Mark. And I would definitely say it's one of the more bullish technical days I've seen in a long time. The corn, the beans, the wheat, front month March contracts all took out the previous day's lows. The beans and the corn actually made new lows for the move, then reversed mid-session and closed higher and took out and closed above the previous day's highs on all three of those uh, commodities. So hopefully that is that kind of that psychological technical turning point that so many of us are looking for to at least start to at least what I would call at least a kind of a technical dead cat bounce. So, Jim, with all of those commodities moving in unison, is that kind of a rising tide lifting all boats? Is it a case of one commodity takes off and the rest go with it? Or was it just, like you said, a technical day for all of the commodities pretty much across the board? I think it was a little bit of both. I mean, there's no doubt about it. If the corn market's rallying, the wheat tends to go and adjacent as they're both feeds. But I think also it's a little bit um, a situation. We've seen a lot of pressure, especially in the corn and beans here the last couple of days, I believe, as farmers, unfortunately, are being forced out of cash positions. They were looking for the winter rally. We didn't get it. Instead, the market went down. And the fact of the matter is the farmer, especially in the corn, but even the beans, they're quite unsold. They're carrying a lot of grain compared to historical norms. You're flipping the calendar here to February here tomorrow. Um, you get into that situation, you've got cash rent due. A lot of guys are meeting taxes, you know, taxes are due. And it just, it forced, I think, some people to kind of throw in the towel. So it kind of felt like maybe you might have had a little bit of emotional kind of throw in the towel 
bottoming early yesterday, and now you're just going to get that technical move. Now, how far we can get this move to go, it's going to be on two two factors, I believe. The first one is demand. Can we see some export demand show up from China or somebody else? And the other thing is just, I think, is what we're going to watch is see what the funds are doing. You took, Mark, you look at the fund position, corn, beans, wheat, cattle, they're, they're carrying this massive short position in the ags in general, bigger than they normally carry for this time of year. Do they lighten up that position as we get into the kind of, well, you know, the springtime? You know, the, the amount of their liquidation of that short position will probably have a big determining factor of how far this bounce will, will go. We'll have more from Jim McCormick of agmarket.net coming up later on in the program as we talk about the livestock complex. Right now, let's get things rolling along here. Andy Peterson standing by. He's got his three big Iowa ag matters. Number three. A very busy week, not only here in Iowa, but also nationally, as in addition to Iowa Ag Expo and Iowa Soybean Association Farm Forward events this week, Cattle Congress kicking off with a strong Iowa presence in Orlando, Florida. Vice President of Government Affairs of the National Cattlemen's Beef Association, Ethan Lane, says... One of the biggest issues in Washington, D.C. is the push and pull of an administration that is running an end game of four years in office leading up to the next election. They do that through putting out regulations that we may or may not like. They do that through new policy proposals and showing aspirations for a second term. And then you have a Congress on the other side who is is severely limited in their capacity to do much. You have very tight majorities down to one or two votes for House Republicans uh, and, and about the same in the Senate. Um, and that spells not a whole lot of real movement or action on a range of topics. Now he says some big ticket items NCBA is focusing on priority wise in the appropriations process includes maintaining the delay on electronic logging devices for cattle producers, endangered species issues, the Packers and Stockyards Act, and a couple more. Number two. Royalty has been crowned. The Iowa Pork Producers Association announcing their 2024 youth leadership team of Lily Brew from Gladbrook, Abby S. Miller from Waverly, and Aubrey Johnson of Iowa Falls. Brew, a senior at Green Mountain Garwin School in Garwin, will reign as this year's Iowa Pork Queen. S. Miller and Johnson are Iowa Pork Ambassadors. Each receives a $4,000 scholarship and a plaque noting their award. Number one. In your mailbox are the cashback dividend checks from our friends at Farm Credit Services of America. For the 20th year, they're sharing a portion of their net earnings with their customer owners. It's a pretty simple calculation, so it's determined by a customer's average daily loan volume throughout the year. So the bottom line is the more money you have borrowed here at Farm Credit Services of America, the bigger your dividend check will be. Jim Canoe, Senior Vice President of Lending, says that it essentially counts as an interest rate discount. You can hear the full conversation ahead on Iowa Ag Matters. I'm Andy Peterson. Those are your three big Iowa Ag Matters. A new year brings new opportunities for Iowa soybean farmers. From biofuels and policy to a changing market landscape, many factors impact the value of Iowa soybean crop. Learn about these trends and more on January 30th by attending Farm Forward, powered by the Iowa Soybean Association. Register today at IASoybeans.com and position your farm for success in 2024 and beyond. The Iowa Soybean Association, driven to deliver for Iowa's 40,000 soybean farmers. Well, we had Iowa Pork Congress last week, and we know that with the focus on the marketplace, we know that hogs have not had the best of times here in the last year or so, but there's a lot of challenges to overcome, and there's a lot of positivity in the marketplace. Mark Magnuson had the chance to talk with Dan Hellstrom of the U.S. Meat Export Federation and the responses they're seeing abroad. We'll hear from him next on Iowa Ag Matters from the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network online at iowaagnet.com. 
as I just saw a couple of recent articles, uh, 2023 in the pork business was one for the record books for mostly the wrong reasons. A couple of silver linings certainly had to do with the fact that towards the end of the year, the margins did turn around and they certainly continue to do that now. But also one of the saving graces, export numbers continue to be strong, thanks in part to the great work of our friends at the U.S. Meat Export Federation, where Mark Magnuson now catches up with the CEO, Dan Hallstrom. And Dan, it seems like every day I read a new story about USMEF on some type of a trip, and you've just gotten back from one recently. Where were you, and how did the trip go? Yeah, we uh, we just got back actually from Korea. We uh, had a um, uh, industry uh, or uh, our organizational marketing meeting we have every year somewhere in the world, and we were in Seoul last week, and uh, uh, it was an opportunity to sit down, see the market, but we also sat down with representatives from all facets of the world and our organization and really talked about best ways to to really maximize the value of these exports uh, globally and it's always good to get the group together to do that. What were your, some of your takeaways from that trip and what you learned on that visit to Korea? Well, I think um, since we were in Asia, uh, it was interesting to see because Asia, honestly, in 2023, we had some really good results, but it was led by Latin America. Uh, Asia was was a little bit hobbled on the food service side in particular, and it was interesting to see everyone's perspective on the rebound of food service and tourism, and it is coming back in general, but still not where it was pre-COVID. So we're looking forward to that because that's, that's some potential uh, additional demand that we could see in 2024. And I know in China specifically, it's taken them a long time to get out of that COVID protocol period and kind of get back to a normalcy. Is that the same throughout the rest of Asia? Are there other countries that are still taking a long time to come back from? I would say um, it it is the case uh, with Japan as well. Japan and China are both lagging. Korea appears to be ahead of the curve. And the one that was really least impacted was Taiwan. Taiwan is totally back to normal and hitting on all cylinders. So it's kind of a mixed bag. But but two of our larger markets being Japan and, and China, uh, you know, to have some a rebound of some sort this year will, will help demand immensely. Dan, we're fresh into 2024. Let's talk, though, about last year, which was a great year for pork exports. And it was also a year, you know, that we go to a show like this. We're at Pork Congress here in Iowa today. And we would say, you know, it's a tough time for producers right now. But when we look at the positives, one of the first things that always came up was exports. And was that kind of the theme of 2023? Yeah, I think um, 2023 was... Uh, it was it was a good year. Uh, it, it'll be a record year on value, more than likely when we get December stats at about eight point two billion in export sales. But the exciting part isn't so much that stat; it's the fact that it wasn't just one country. It was broad based, and especially throughout Latin America, there was broad based growth everywhere. Uh, Mexico led the way. It, it actually set a new record in October, <laughs> with two months to go. But uh, you saw Central America as a whole is setting records. Um, Colombia in South America. Uh, and even, uh, you know, places like the Philippines were starting to see some real growth. So, uh, so yeah, I think the fact that it was such broad-based growth is really encouraging. Do those countries still have some room to grow even more and to have the ability to import even more of the great pork that we create here in this country? Without a doubt. And I'll, I'll give you the best example why. Most of these countries, their per capita consumption is relatively small compared to the U.S. So as they become, as spending power increases, which the middle class is growing in most of these countries, as the understanding of how to utilize, how to to cook, how to merchandise uh, U.S. pork, uh, and even domestic pork for that matter, in these countries, 
uh, that will grow per capita consumption. So per capita consumption growing not only helps the potential for imports, but it'll help their domestic industry as well. So it really is a win-win for all involved. President and CEO of the U.S. Meat Export Federation, Dan Halstrom, our guest here today at Port Congress 2024. Dan, thanks so much for the time. Thank you so much. Welcome to January and the beginning of the new year. While we don't know for sure what 2024 will bring, we always need to do our best to be prepared. The same holds true when you're traveling in winter conditions. Make sure you're always aware of the weather forecast as winter weather can change in the blink of an eye and vary greatly between regions. And be certain of what conditions you may face throughout your route. You can always check conditions across the state by calling 511 on your phone or downloading the 511 app. This message on winter driving safety is from your friends at the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network. Still to come on Iowa Ag Matters, part two of Dustin's conversation with Monty Shaw regarding the future of sustainable aviation fuel. That's right around the corner on the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network. Time to run down some elevator prices for this last day of January, the 31st, here on Iowa Ag Matters. I'm Dustin Huffman. Starting at ADM Burlington, they are 15 cents under on corn, 431. Soybeans, 19 cents under at 1193. Cargill and Eddyville, they're two cents over on corn. Cash bid today, 448. New Co op Algona, a dime under on corn, 436. Soybeans, 55 cents under at 1157. At Ag State Sheldon, they're a dime over on corn, 456. Soybean 72 cents under at 1140. Ag State Elta, a dime under on corn, cash bid 436. Soybean 62 cents under at 1150. Cargill Cedar Rapids, 15 cents over on corn, 461. Soybeans a dime under, cash bid 1202. Nexus Co op in Marble Rock, yes, Viafield is now known as Nexus. They're 8 cents under on corn at 438. Soybeans 52 cents under at 1160. Lincoln Way Ethanol Nevada, a nickel over on corn, cash bid 451. ADM Des Moines, four cents under on soybeans. They're at 1208 for a cash bid. New Co op Red Oak, dime under on corn, 436. Soybeans, 50 cents under at 1162. Mid Iowa Cooperative Green Mountain, 22 cents under on corn, cash bid 424. Soybeans, 50 cents under at 1162. New Co op Sheldon, 20 cents under on corn, 426. Soybeans are 55 cents under with a cash bid 1157. Walk on Feed Ranch, 17 cents under on corn, 429. Soybeans, 56 cents under. They're at 1156. New Co op Glidden, a dime under on corn, cash bid 436. Soybeans, 50 cents under at 1162. Innovative Ag Services Farley, 12 cents under on corn, 434. Soybeans, 50 cents under, cash bid 1162. And Cargill Muscatine closed for the season. They'll reopen April 1st. The office is open for normal business. Cash corn and soybean bids are subject to change without notice. Always check with your local elevator when making sales to obtain the most recent price. And that's been a rundown of some of the basis prices around the state here on Iowa Ag Matters. We've got more for you coming up right after this message. A new year brings new opportunities for Iowa soybean farmers. From biofuels and policy to a changing market landscape, many factors impact the value of Iowa soybean crop. Learn about these trends and more on January 30th by attending Farm Forward, powered by the Iowa Soybean Association. Register today at iasoybeans.com and position your farm for success in 2024 and beyond. The Iowa Soybean Association, driven to deliver for Iowa's 40,000 soybean farmers. we got more market information coming your way later on in the program, including a complete rundown of the midday numbers. Mark and Andy will have that for you coming up on Iowa Ag Matters. Don't forget about our free market analysis sent right to your mobile device through the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network Market Podcasts. You can get them through Google, Amazon, Spotify, and Podbean, and online at iowaagnet.com. 
More Iowa Ag Matters on the way. we uh, learned more about that new sustainable aviation fuels plant in Georgia, the opportunity it may provide. Dustin Hoffman continuing now the conversation with the Iowa Renewable Fuels Association Executive Director, Monty Shaw. I mean, we're looking at a, at a new market that could chew up so you know another five or six billion gallons of corn, billion bushels of corn, excuse me. And, and I mean, that would require us to build um, probably... 60 or more new new ethanol plants, 11 here in Iowa. Then you have to build the facilities that turn that ethanol into sustainable aviation fuel. I mean, we're talking about billions of dollars of farm income. We're talking about tens of thousands of jobs, you know, huge boost to the GDP. Um, the sustainable aviation market is so big, it will take all the ethanol to jet that we can produce, and it will still have to go and find more expensive options for them to satisfy the demand. So it's really a market that can fix our problems, not just today, but in the future. Because I don't know if your listeners have, have, have uh, been paying attention. I'm sure they have. But we're, the, we're, we're heading to year four of a drought. And, and supplies have gone up. Ending stocks have gone up. And the price of, of corn has gone down two bucks a bushel. That is a loud, loud warning sign that we are starting to enter another era of structural overproduction. Because that's what farmers do in America. We overproduce, right? Um, we innovate, we work hard, we have the technology, and we overproduce that market. The traditional ethanol market has kept us out of that for a little over two decades, but it's happening again. It's not a surprise. This happens, this happens periodically in agriculture. And so we either have to take acres out and hurt farm income, or we have to develop a new market. And SAF is right there waiting for us. We need to come together get these carbon capture projects over the finish line, find an equitable way forward. I know there's landowner concerns. I'm a landowner. Um, we want to find a good way to move forward. But if we don't move forward, we're going to see ending stocks continue to build and the price of corn continue to go down and it's going to get ugly. So let's come together and find a way forward. That's our message. That's our that's our plea, you might say. One thing I found interesting too at the when we were at the summit was you know, unlike sometimes we've been seeing pushback on ethanol, especially from the car companies when they tried to tell us what cars could and couldn't handle it, we're seeing an aviation industry that's very much on board with making this work. Obviously, they want to make sure it works right, and we all want to be a part of that, yeah. but they're very much in favor of doing this. I mean, the one thing I, when we talked with one of the folks uh, at Delta during the summit, he made the comment of, if you looked at the skies when we had the pandemic and there wasn't much flying going on, or, you know, unfortunately, after September 11th when the planes were grounded, how clear the air quality was. So they know that they need to make changes to make things better. They're looking at ways to do that, but they're very much on board to do this. Yeah, and you know, I, I appreciate you bringing that up because a lot of people are viewing this through a political lens. Like, oh, low carbon, you know, that sounds like, you know, the new green deal or something like that. You know, from an ethanol perspective, this is business. This is a market. Our customers are asking us, literally begging us to help them make uh, sustainable aviation fuel because they need it. They want to lower their carbon scores. That's fine. But it also does reduce, I, I guess we don't call them tailpipe emissions on jet, but the, the emissions that come out of jet engines. And so our customers are asking us to do this. And if, if there might be people out there listening to us today that say, well, that's great. I'm glad they're doing it. There might be people out there today that say, that's silly. Uh, this is stupid. Why should I help them? But if you want to stay in business, I've always found it a good idea to produce the products that your customers want. 
you know, I guess the analogy I use is I've got a teenage daughter and if I was in the clothing business and I wanted to stay in business, I would probably need to put on my shelves the types of clothes that my my teenage daughter wants to wear, not the types of clothes that I wish she would wear. So that's what we're saying here. This is market driven. Delta, American, United, Southwest, all the Europeans, all the Asians, they all want to do this. Whether we agree that it's a good idea or not doesn't matter. They're the customers and it's a great opportunity for us to we're going into this period where we have more corn than we have a home for and and sustainable aviation fuel will chew it all up for the next 20 plus years so let's do what it takes to take that carbon intensity of ethanol down even further so it qualifies as a feedstock for sustainable aviation fuel and let's let's start this new economic engine up and take it out for a spin well, I'll wrap up my conversation with Monty Shaw coming up tomorrow here on Iowa Ag Matters. And speaking of Iowa Ag Matters, here's Andy Peterson. He's got the big ones here waiting for you right now. Number three. A very busy week, not only here in Iowa, but also nationally, as in addition to Iowa Ag Expo and Iowa Soybean Association Farm Forward events this week, Cattle Congress kicking off with a strong Iowa presence in Orlando, Florida. Vice President of Government Affairs of the National Cattlemen's Beef Association, Ethan Lane, says one of the biggest issues in Washington, D.C. is the push and pull of an administration that is running an end game of four years in office leading up to the next election. They do that through putting out regulations that we may or may not like. They do that through new policy proposals and showing aspirations for a second term. And then you have a Congress on the other side who is is severely limited in their capacity to do much. You have very tight majorities down to one or two votes for House Republicans uh, and, and about the same in the Senate. Um, and that spells not a whole lot of real movement or action on a range of topics. Now he says some big ticket items NCBA is focusing on priority wise in the appropriations process includes maintaining the delay on electronic logging devices for cattle producers, endangered species issues, the Packers and Stockyards Act, and a couple more. Number two. Royalty has been crowned. The Iowa Pork Producers Association announcing their 2024 youth leadership team of Lily Brew from Gladbrook, Abby S. Miller from Waverly, and Aubrey Johnson of Iowa Falls. Brew, a senior at Green Mountain Garwin School in Garwin, will reign as this year's Iowa Pork Queen. S. Miller and Johnson are Iowa Pork Ambassadors. Each receives a $4,000 scholarship and a plaque noting their award. Number one. In your mailbox are the cashback dividend checks from our friends at Farm Credit Services of America. For the 20th year, they're sharing a portion of their net earnings with their customer owners. It's a pretty simple calculation, so it's determined by a customer's average daily loan volume throughout the year. So the bottom line is the more money you have borrowed here at Farm Credit Services of America, the bigger your dividend check will be. Jim Canoe, Senior Vice President of Lending, says that it essentially counts as an interest rate discount. You can hear the full conversation ahead on Iowa Ag Matters. I'm Andy Peterson. Those are your three big Iowa Ag Matters. A new year brings new opportunities for Iowa soybean farmers. From biofuels and policy to a changing market landscape, many factors impact the value of Iowa soybean crop. Learn about these trends and more on January 30th by attending Farm Forward, powered by the Iowa Soybean Association. Register today at iasoybeans.com and position your farm for success in 2024 and beyond. The Iowa Soybean Association, driven to deliver for Iowa's 40,000 soybean farmers. Well, we've got midday numbers here coming in, seeing how the markets are playing the rest of the day. Andy and Mark will look at the grains and the livestock coming up next here on Iowa Ag Matters. 
This is the Midday Market Update on Iowa Ag Matters. I'm Mark Magnuson. Crude oil trading lower today, which may be adding some pressure on the grain complex. Tension in the Middle East may be supportive to oil prices, but resistance is coming from lower potential demand, especially from China. At these lower price levels, farmers continue to be slow sellers of corn domestically and may be providing some support to prices. However, increased global competition may hinder any significant rallies. Yesterday, the International Monetary Fund said that they believe the world economy will improve in the second quarter. If true, this may provide some long-term support to the marketplace, though there is still concern about Chinese economic issues with poor manufacturing data four months in a row. There was talk that China may have purchased five to six cargoes of Brazilian soybeans recently. Private estimates of Brazil's soybean crop are still well below the USDA's 157 million metric tons figure. If the USDA revises production lower on the February 8th WASDE report, it would offer some support to soybean futures. On tomorrow's crush report, there is expected to be a record December U.S. soybean crush at 206 million bushels. If true, that would be up from 200 million bushels in November and compares to 187 million bushels last year. That's the latest on the grains. Here's Andy Peterson with more livestock news. All right, Mark, jumping into the livestock numbers here. We start uh, beef-wise, daily estimated slaughter total numbers coming in at 127,000 head. 2,000 more than a week ago and 1,000 more than a year ago. Boxes are weaker. In fact, choice boxes sharply lower, down 335 at 296.07 on 134 loads of movement. Select uh, 82 loads selling at uh, 287.05, down $1.77, and the spread is under $10. Can you believe that? Narrowed all the way to a 902. You look at the um, graphs, and it was less than a month ago. That spread was at 30 plus dollars. On the pork side of things, daily estimated slaughter total numbers coming in at uh, 492,000 head. That is 13,000 more than a week ago, 10,000 more than a year ago. Cash market wise, let's take a look at yesterday's numbers for comparison purposes. Producers sold barrels and gilts on a carcass basis. Negotiated purchases, 5,400 head yesterday with a weighted average price of 59.40. No comparison due to packer confidentiality issues. The formula purchases, however, weighted average price of 71.87. We were up another dollar 20 on 150,000 head of sales. As far as what's happening today so far. About 3,400 head of negotiated purchases. The weighted average price is sharply higher, up 206 to 62.36. As far as the formula purchases are concerned, 112,000 head and some change. Weighted average price 72.97. Market is 10 cents stronger. Hi, my name is Ethan Smith, and I've been a certified crop advisor in Iowa for about six years. The Iowa CCA program is valuable to me because it helps keep me informed on new topics and research around the industry, including soils, insects, diseases, and much more. It's also a great way to network with others around the state and beyond. Iowa is known for its crops, and that's why we're here. To learn more about becoming a certified crop advisor, visit iowacca.org. At midday, March corn is down a half cent at 447 and a quarter. March soybeans down four and a half at 1214 and a quarter. March soybean meal up 20 cents at 363.20. March soybean oil up five cents at 4605. On the Merck, February live cattle down 22 cents at 177.80. March feeder cattle down 72 cents at 240.60. February lean hogs up 62 cents at 76.47. That was a check of the midday markets on Iowa Ag Matters. I'm Mark Magnuson.
Well, as promised, Jim McCormick of agmarket.net coming back here with us to talk about the livestock side of things. And we did see some more positive momentum there yesterday. Mark Magnuson has more with him. On the other side of the ag marketplace, what's happening in the protein sector? Cattle market had a really strong day early yesterday. They did back off. The April cattle hit that 100-day moving average, went through it, and pulled back a little bit two days ago. Overall, I think the trend is overall strong. I, I think you can get over this 200-day moving average eventually, and maybe even try to fill that gap up toward 190. I mean, we're seeing a very good, I think, overall in the cattle market, kind of an interesting situation. The supply is tightening because we, you know, we know the cattle are struggling to put on the pounds during this brutal winter, winter run the last couple of weeks. But on the other side of the coin, on the demand side, stock market making new highs, consumer sentiment continues to strengthen. Um, so you've got a consumer that's feeling comfortable about the economy. You got the economy going up. So hopefully you've got the demand out there that's going to try to reach in and buy that protein supply that's a little bit tighter that'll drive the prices up and keep this a uh, little near-term bull trend running. And what about the hog market right now, Jim? Hogs doing the same thing. They're kind of following along on the cattle. We'll see if they can continue to do it. The one thing I'm keeping an eye on the hogs right now is the story coming out of China. China is liquidating some of their hog herds because they said they had too many of them. But, you know, China is such a big producer of consumer of hogs in the world. We tend to get some of that overflow demand if we need be. Their economy market has just been, let's face it, it's been brutal. Our stock market's trading at highs. Their stock market's trading at five-year lows. They're trying to get that economy stimulated. If they can get that accumulated, start to spin up and uh, get a little bit stronger, that should do nothing but help hopefully the demand for our hogs. Is China dealing with any more economic conditions that are causing problems than, I guess, someone like the United States? Or is it still just that very, very, very slow recovery from COVID? Well, they're dealing with a couple of things. Like I said, the stock market is just definitely struggling, so it's hurting the consumer sentiment. Their housing market has been in a bubble or a deflating bubble for quite a while now. Um, they just liquidated one of the biggest China um, builders was just forced into liquidation here this past week. So their economy just, you know, it's just struggling on all fronts. Youth unemployment is at record levels. So, yeah, I mean, you look at it, the difference between our economy and their economy right now is night and day. Jim McCormick of agmarket.net, our guest here today. Jim, what's the best way for our listeners to get in touch for more marketing information? You can reach me directly at 815-665-0461, reaching the Ag Market team members at 844-424-6758. Better yet, go to agmarket.net to try a, a free shot of our research. Thanks so much, Jim, for all the information today. Have a great rest of your week. Thanks for having me on. Hi, my name is Ethan Smith, and I've been a certified crop advisor in Iowa for about six years. The Iowa CCA program is valuable to me because it helps keep me informed on new topics and research around the industry, including soils, insects, diseases, and much more. It's also a great way to network with others around the state and beyond. Iowa is known for its crops, and that's why we're here. To learn more about becoming a certified crop advisor, visit iowacca.org. Well, it's always a good day, and it was earlier this week when I went to the mailbox and found my cashback dividend check from our friends at Farm Credit Services of America. 20th year that they've been doing that in partnership, of course, with their farmer owners. And if you haven't gotten yours yet, it's on the way. Jim Knuth, good Iowa Ag Matters advocate, will detail the program for you and how it could help if you're not a part of it. Coming up here on your official, authentic, and trusted voice of Iowa agriculture, this is Iowa Ag Matters.
Well, it's always good to get some good news, especially as Andy mentioned before, when you go to the mailbox and you see a check waiting for you rather than a bill. Well, for the 20th year in a row, Farm Credit Services America giving cash back dividends to their farmer members. And of course, that's possible because of the policy put in place by their farmer members. Riley Smith had the chance to talk all about it with Jim Canute of Farm Credit Services of America. And here's what he had to say about this announcement. And uh, Jim, we are here to talk about Farm Credit Services uh, cash back dividend program. Uh, I understand this is the 20th year of uh, Farm Credit Services sharing a portion of its net earnings with customer owners. Uh, can customers expect to continue to see a payout year after year? Yeah, cash dividends is definitely something our customers can count on. You know, as a cooperative, we can only declare dividends one year at a time. But our board of directors has clearly announced their intentions to continue paying a 1% dividend out into the future. So, you know, at a time when there's so much volatility, we want our customer owners to know that they can depend on Farm Credit Services of America, not only to add value to their lending relationship, but also their pocketbooks. Now, Jim, uh, with it being 20 years of uh, this uh, cashback dividend program, uh, obviously, uh, you know it's pretty well known by this point, but for those of our listeners who might not know, uh, how does Farm Credit Services calculate the amount of uh, each customer's dividend? Yeah, it's a pretty simple calculation. So it's determined by a customer's average daily loan volume throughout the year. So the bottom line is the more money you have borrowed here at Farm Credit Services of America, the bigger your dividend check will be. And then, you know, just in general, why does uh, Farm Credit Services, you know, make the decision to distribute those uh, cashback dividends every year rather than uh, retain those profits? Yeah, I think it really goes back to our unique cooperative business model. We're governed by the customers who do business with us. And frankly, our financial success is also their success. At the end of the day, we do two things with our earnings. Number one, we either pay them back as cashback dividends or we retain them to serve the needs of our customers and the next generation in agriculture. And, you know, you mentioned uh, having that support, you know, given Farm Credit Services' commitment to supporting ag communities. uh, Is there any other uh, programs you would like to share with our listeners or anything else going on that they should know? Yeah, so we have a, a new program for young and beginning farmers, and it's really dedicated to that next generation of agriculture. This is a program that offers mentorship, Uh, a big focus on education and specialized loan officers. And this is for farmers 35 years or younger or anybody who's been farming for 10 years or less. There's no cost to participate, but there is some limited spots. So if anyone is interested, I certainly would encourage them to reach out as soon as possible. And then, of course, uh, for anyone who would be interested in that or for our listeners who are not current uh, Farm Credit Services customer owners and they want to find out uh, how they, too, can receive the benefits of the cash band div- uh, cashback dividend program, uh, how do they learn more? Yeah, I think there's two ways. Number one, they can call us directly at 800-884-FARM. Again, 800-884-FARM. That will connect them to the closest office from wherever they're calling or they can certainly visit us online at fcsamerica.com. Welcome to January and the beginning of the new year. While we don't know for sure what 2024 will bring, we always need to do our best to be prepared. The same holds true when you're traveling in winter conditions. Make sure you're always aware of the weather forecast. 
Winter weather can change in the blink of an eye or vary greatly between different regions. Be certain of what conditions you may face throughout your route. Always allow yourself extra time and drive according to conditions. Remember, four-wheel drive does not mean four-wheel stop. Loss of traction can easily incur in icing conditions, and four-wheel drive won't be able to save you at that point. Be prepared for emergencies by always keeping a winter survival kit with blankets, first aid supplies, sand or litter, a shovel and a light source, and some non-perishable food in the back of your vehicle. Be cautious when you're driving this winter. If you're not comfortable, stay home or get a ride. You can also check conditions across the state by calling 511 on your phone. Or you can also download the Iowa 511 app. This message on winter driving safety is from your friends at the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network. Well, thanks again to Riley Smith for getting that great information and helping us uh, share that with you here on Iowa Ag Matters. Great to hear from Jim Canute every now and then to get those updates on what's going on. And, of course, again, as I said, it's always better to get a check in the mail than it is to get a bill in the mail. Well, a lot that we covered here again today, uh, hearing from Dan Halstrom about those uh, export numbers. Uh, appreciate Mark going and getting those numbers for us and, and getting us more information on that. And, of course, the sustainable aviation fuel thing, again, this is a, a hot topic that's being talked about here, and we'll have a little more about the numbers in Iowa and the ethanol production we saw in Iowa in the last couple of uh, last couple of months and over the last year here. That'll be coming up tomorrow as I wrap up my conversation with Monty Shaw. So, again, thanks to Riley and Mark, and thanks to Andy for helping put all that together, and Riley for keeping us in check here as we go through another day. Thanks to Mark, and, of course, thanks to you out there listening. Uh, this is Iowa Ag Matters from the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network online at iowaagnet.com. Follow us on Facebook, X, LinkedIn, and on our YouTube channel where you can find episodes of Ag Matters PM every afternoon as well. We'll see you tomorrow.